Welcome to Let's Talk Parish. Let's Talk Parish will be an opportunity to learn about some of the people that call the Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament in Sacramento, California, home. My name is Chris, and I'll be the host for today's episode. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. Good evening, Pete. Welcome to Let's Talk Parish. Good evening. How are you doing this evening? I'm good. I'm good. All right. Well, welcome. And um, we were just chatting just briefly before we started recording that this is really our first time to talk with each other. Yes. And what's interesting about that, too, is, I mean, you've been a parishioner for quite oh, a long gosh. time. And I've seen you in the choir for ever since you've joined. Yeah, I, was, I think I joined the choir in like... 2011, somewhere in there. Joined the church in 20 in 2007, so it's been a minute. Right. And right. Uh, when did you guys join the church? We actually joined. I want to say late 2002. Okay. So almost 20 years we've okay. been here. Okay. So pre-renovation for a little bit, and then uh, and uh, through the St. Elizabeth's. And you hung around times. during all that, huh? We did. We did. We we did a little uh, prior to here. We did a little church um, parish shopping, and okay. this fit for us. All right. Cool. We're going to talk about that just a little bit more. Okay. Um, but as you've heard some of our episodes, you know how we always ask the Lord to bless our time. And um, so let's go ahead and, and, and do that. And then we'll uh, we'll start chatting. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Jesus, please send forth the Holy Spirit for this conversation. May it be, um, may it be, a, may it be a guide to us. And uh, we'll make an appeal to our guardian angels, angel of God, guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, ever this day be at my side, to light, to guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Amen. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, that is great. One of the things that um, I transitioned over as an adult, was raised Episcopalian, was a Baptist for a long time, I never really memorized any, any prayers. And so I'm always... Uh, happy when I hear prayers that I probably would have memorized if I'd grown up in the Catholic Church, um, and that's one of them. That's absolutely one that I grew up with and learned early on as a kid, right? Uh, yeah, and it, there's always an element I thought was missing in it too, and it's it's probably theologically incorrect. Well, I don't but know. it's the the we want our angels, uh, our guardian angels, to guide us. Mm-hmm. But beyond just guide me. I want like a slap in the back of the head when I'm off course, right? So not just not just point me in the right direction, but also keep you on a straight and yeah, narrow. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to need a little a little flick of the ear. Or something. Well, now yeah. that you've mentioned that and put it out there, just get ready. It, yeah, I'm going to start feeling. You a, started it. A, a okay. kick in the butt, right? <laughs> so all you listeners, it started here. Bingo. Um, that's often. Thanks, Pete. No problem. Uh, last name is Ruffing. It is. Yep. Um, and I'm guessing then from our conversation, you were cradle Catholic. Yes. And was it here in Sacramento? No, a uh, place with Thousand Oaks, California, Southern California, a distant suburb of okay. Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, born back in a time when that area was uh, not very well known. I think. Uh, I think it was about 40,000 was the population when I was born down there. And oh, really? now it's it's well over 600 oh, yeah. plus thousand in Thousand Oaks right now. Oh, wow. So it's a real big town, but you, it was small. You still have family down there? I do. And my mom's extended family uh, is in the Ventura area, which is just 30 minutes north of there. Mm-hmm. And that's what I grew up around was uh, Southern California. 
Were there a bunch of orange trees down there in those days? There were. And interesting, went to high school with a bunch of um, uh, farmers. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, that's still in, it's a little more in the Santa Paula area, which is a little in a slightly different valley. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I went to high school with a bunch of folks in the Limonera, uh, Satakoy, Santa Paula, Fillmore. That is so cool. Yeah. Because I'm sure those farms aren't there much anymore. They become subdivisions now. Yeah, there's still a few, but yeah, for the most part, it's not. Uh, Interesting, too, through... um, Early days of college, I got internships with uh, Western Farm Service, which oh my gosh. I went around and serviced farms in the Oxnard, Camarillo area. So a lot of strawberries, a lot of uh, lettuce. Mm-hmm. Um, a few times we got involved with the orchards, but yeah, that um, plain on the coast is high value agriculture. Wow. Well, let's get some backstory before okay. we get to, up to that stage of the game. Um was your family active in the parish? Uh, very much. I grew up um, in parish, St. Pascal Balon is in Thousand Oaks. St. Uh, who? St. Pascal Balon. Okay, so let's, let's take a pause. Yeah. And can, do you know his, his story? No. Church doctor that I'm not really well aware of. Okay, so that's something that we can all Google and yeah. learn if we're curious. Yeah. Never heard of that saint before. Yeah. How interesting. Okay, so carry on. I wish I could tell you more. I just I don't know, recall. But whatever. Yeah. It's okay. A great parish, uh, school and parish together. And and then you went to school there. I went to school okay. there, um, first grade through eighth grade. Okay. Grew up there. Um, really vibrant, too. And, and your family was active in the parish? Very much so. My mom and dad both. Uh, they had a phenomenal men's group. Hmm. Um, so the men's club ran a lot of the activities. Uh, it, it's easy to say that my entire culture growing up was all catholic really yes wow all my friends were catholic uh everything that we did we had summer events were all involved with the church as well do you remember or well, I mean, you're going to remember because i'm going to ask you what is your earliest memory of being in like maybe mass or a church function or some sort hmm. i don't know the earliest memory i i do recall uh First Communion and First Reconciliation, which would have been right before. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so much the event itself, but more so the suit I wore. I oh. remember the blue suit that my mom got me with a clip-on tie. Oh, my gosh. For First Reconciliation and First Communion. You said, do you have a picture of it? Um, my mom does. I'll I, bet, huh? I should go get it. You can post it with this. Get something for your kids to laugh at? Oh, yeah, we've got a few other ones as well that they can <laughs> laugh at. So growing up, did were you ever like an altar server? Or? Yes, altar server, even into a little bit of high school, which was somewhat unique. Hmm. Uh, so uh, once you got first communion, I think it was, no, I don't think we became altar servers until fifth grade is the cut line. They had plenty of altar servers with the school attached to it. Oh, I'll bet they did. But every boy in the classes were excited to join because at the end of the year, the parish and the the men's club would sponsor a trip to Magic Mountain for the altar service. That was our payment for doing it. So we all got on a bus at the end of the year and we got to get out of school Uh one day and we went to uh, go ride the roller coasters. Oh, how fun. How fun. Now, did the church have daily mass or no? I mean, not the church, but the the school. Yeah. The, the, no, the school didn't do daily mass. They did weekly mass. Weekly mass. Yeah. and they But they did have the dailies that the altar servers would serve at 6.30 a.m. and an 8.30 a.m. So if you were an altar server, 
and you got the 8.30 a.m. assignment for that week, you got out of class. Yeah, you did. It was great. Now, the if you got the 6.30, the unfortunate side was you had to get up super that early. That was a long day. But luckily with my dad, he would drop me off on his way to work for the 6.30 mass when I was assigned. Uh-huh. And he'd give me a little extra money because McDonald's was right across the street. <laughs> so after mass, I could go over there and I could get myself some breakfast. What was your favorite McDonald's meal? Oh, you know what? I would. It was a uh, bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit oh and gosh. a hash brown. That sounds so good right now. Yeah. You have no idea. Terrible for you, right? <laughs> well, you know, yeah, but good. Oh, it, Tasty. Yeah, loved it. Yeah. We'll pay for it later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so d- did your family participate in any devotionals? You know, we kind of had fits and starts about doing the rosary. Uh-huh. Um, my mom would try to inspire us to do it, but it just didn't last long. Never, never said hold. Not when we were growing up. Okay. Yeah, it didn't really um, stick, but we didn't miss mass. We always hit our holy days of obligation, even through high school. And then I, at some point I moved out and it was on my own. But yeah, growing up, everything was, uh, did the obligatory mm-hmm. events. Did you play sports? Did. Um, we had basketball, played football. You know, it was more flag football at that point in time. Okay, sure. Um I think that was about it uh-huh. through there. Cool. And so then after high school, what happened? Then I went to, I was given the option to go to one of two Catholic high schools. Uh, Crespi was closer to the Los Angeles Any area. Colleges. No, did we, did we just jump after high school? Oh, Am I, I not thought, listening I, to I, you? Well, no, you did listen to me. Uh, <laughs> but I, somehow I got the impression that the school that was attached to the parish was, uh, K through high school, but it was just oh, K no, through eight. K through eight. So yes. You, okay. So now we're going to, go high to, to high school. Oh, got it. Got okay. it. So then high school um, to Crespi was one option and Crespi, which is in the closer to Los Angeles area, mm-hmm. where I can go to a place called St. Bonaventure. Uh, St. Bonaventure was closer to Ventura, which was in actually Ventura. And that's where my mom's family was all around. Okay. And so it seemed to be more logical. Okay. So I went to, um, it's about 30 minute drive. So I went to uh, St. Bonaventure in Ventura. Wow. Took the bus a little bit, uh, carpooled with some friends, and then the day I got my driver's license. You're on your own. I was driving. Yeah. And, yep. Did you have to buy your own car? Or was it a gift? or? No, it was a gift. Nice. So I had an uncle who had a ranch in Santa Barbara, and on that ranch he had three VW Bucks, and they were all <sighs> torn apart. Bullet holes in them. So one, Bullet holes? Yeah, so I was 15, and I think it was the just getting into the summer of when I turned 15. Mm-hmm. My dad threw me in the car with a trailer, and we drove up to his property. It's it's really in the hills. Ranch is not the right way. Was, he had property on the hills okay. in Santa Barbara. And we pulled the vehicle with the, most, um, with the least amount of problems okay. and then parted out the other two on the trailer, took it home, put it in the driveway, and that summer the two of us worked on it, got it running, and that was my vehicle. What a great yeah. bonding thing, too, for you and your dad. I'll tell you, I still to this day can tell you what it feels like a paint stripper when it gets on your bare skin. It stings, and it'll get into your gloves. and it, yeah. So, How long did you have that, that, that VW? I had that till till my first year through my first year of college and wow. then i got into a wreck with it oh yeah wouldn't recommend that car for anybody with any loved ones yeah it was 1969 bug 
Okay. And it had, oh, I want to say the, the bumpers were 1955. It had different fenders on it because, right, we partied oh, out yeah. and we could fix and put on anything we wanted. Oh, man. I remember my, um, my roommate in college when I was going to Chico State had a VW Bug. And I remember riding in it and, and it was like you're sitting on the road. Because there's no, I mean, the front, the front, um, the hood just drops right, right away. And I was terrified the whole time. Well, to make it better, at one point in time, I don't know where it was in the process. I think it was later days. We put on a adjustable front end so I could lower. I dropped the front end. Oh, my goodness. So it was. You maybe, had no front end. It had no front end. So it was a rough ride, but even closer to the ground. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you crazy. So, um. In high school, were you were you were you planning to go in, into further education with college, or did you want to go into a trade, or what was your? Yeah, no, I didn't know at first. Um, I graduated high school, and I wasn't exactly sure. I didn't really have a good um, path of what I wanted to do. No mm-hmm. real inspiration. And my sister had kind of um, my older sister had kind of paved away a path. She had gone to a junior college and then on to Chico. Oh, And I thought, well, you know what? Why don't I do that? I'm not exactly sure what I want to do. I don't want to jump into a university just yet. I'm not really, wasn't, wasn't really mature enough to move out. Mm. So I went to a junior college, stayed at home. It was around the, not too far around Mm -hmm. the corner, Mm -hmm. did that, um, continued sports through junior college. And then uh, that actually junior college was an interesting time. That was the, my first experience kind of outside an idyllic, sphere of existence because it wasn't a Jew, it wasn't a catholic it wasn't catholic right so i had grown up wow um, all, everyone i had been around all the families were intact no divorces everyone um at least claimed some level of catholicism mm-hmm. at least culturally and that was my entire existence a little sheltered and then i went to junior college and playing football in junior college you get to know the the rougher side of yeah, folks do. and I don't honestly more authentic too because you're in the locker rooms with these guys mm-hmm. and the place I went um, really attracted the guys who were going to go on to greater levels for sports oh, okay whatever reason they weren't able to immediately jump into division one or whatnot mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we had a little more troubled group of guys wow. And it was quite a shock. It, I remember it being my first experience of, um, say, how broken the world really is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how troubled it is. And it was really interesting. It uh, it pushed me back a little bit. Of, how did it, yeah, how did it impact your faith? Um, very positively. Uh, so prior to that moment, everything was kind of um, go through the motions. It just was never challenged. Okay. And then at that point, it was... I realized how nice and smooth it was, right? You don't, you don't know how smooth the water was until you get in rough water. So right. then I get onto junior college and you get to see the brokenness of the world and you get to see guys struggling with all their different life um, events. Yeah. You went from a, from a calm lake to a, a rapids. Right. Um, the uh, I, di- I didn't know any prior to that. I really didn't know any uh, divorced families, mm-hmm. plenty of them in junior college. Uh, I didn't know anybody who'd been in and out of, out of jail. And some of those guys were uh, no kidding on my teams. Yep. Wow. Did you befriend any of them? Uh, yeah, it was not a problem. It's, it's 
kind of a band of brothers. Yeah, sure. Even nobody really cares about your background. You're just, sure, sure. You're, you're in your own tribe. It's, you're going to fight together regardless of whatever baggage you brought with you. Wow. And, and, and so at what point did you finally move out on your own? Um, after junior college, I went up to Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, San Luis and Obispo. that was the first uh, on my own. I moved into the dorms, um, and yeah, that's where I began really exploring um, independence of my own faith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, I'm still under the umbrella prior to that with my parents. We still did all the the masses. We still hit our holy days of obligation as a family. As a family, that's what we did. Now you're on your own. Now I'm on my own. Now it happens. Now it's uh, wasn't so much catastrophic, just it mellowed. I want to say mellowed out. That's not quite the, quite the right phrase. Um, I kind of had fits and starts with it. Okay, but I never doubted the faith. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. I it had does. fits and starts with applying the faith. Sure, sure. Well, yeah. you you've left your community. Left my community. Now. Um, responsible for myself. You got to get yourself to mass. You know, that's, I wasn't mature to hold to it every single time. Right. Um, that was part of growing up. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up through there. Um, trying to think what other big events in there. Oh, you know what? No, some big events in college. So I had to take uh, certain philosophy classes okay. at Cal Poly. One of them was an ethics course. Kind of a course? Ethics. Oh, ethics. And that one, that was a real turning point in my maturity with my faith, becoming my own. Prior to that, it was cultural. Okay. And it really was that individual class, which I can point to and say, at that moment is where I started taking ownership. So the the scene is day one, you go into a class, something in philosophy. All right. All my background prior to that was science, was very... Um, specific. Okay. You'd taken a, like a, your major was going to be in, within science yeah, or something? Yeah, I or? had chemistry, I had uh, physics, I had a lot of um, hard sciences background. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going, I have to take a philosophy class. Well, what's this about, right? Don't know. So we go into the philosophy, uh, the ethics course, day one. The professor just starts writing a bunch of stuff on the board that is, um, what do you use? specifically trying to say is the Bible is inconsistent and wrong. Right off the get-go. And I bet you there was at least 20 things. I wish I could explain all all of them, but the one that jumps out to me is the Bible is sexist. Oh. And he wrote, uh, it was St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he, ju- he just wrote the, uh, the verse on there, not the actual text, oh. just the number. Um, and a whole bunch of other things. And that was the lead up. And, I'm, and it was shocking to me. It was the first time it was academically challenged my faith. Wow. That professor was fantastic, though. The way he set up that structure of that class, mm-hmm. it was never to um, denigrate anything, but it was to challenge. And get people to think. And he always put both sides up wow, for discussion. What a great teacher. But the first step was to make the students argue it. Ah. So, for example, the... Like a uh, little debate kind of a thing. Yeah. He would kind of shake you up at first and say, wait a second. I luckily had a apologist family friend. Didn't really know the depth of his knowledge growing up. Okay. But turns out he was uh, really in-depth 
I'm knowledgeable. And I ended up calling him up once a week. And his name was Tim. Hey, Tim, here's what's going on in my ethics class. Can you help me out? I don't have a response for this. I don't even understand the church's position on it. How oh. How is the Bible sexist when, you know, you read this and I get it. I can see how somebody can interpret it. As, yeah, absolutely. And they says, well, that's interesting. Why don't you read the whole chapter, Pete? Not only read the whole chapter, let me tell you about this. Let's let's set this up. And he would provide the context for everything. And he broke it down for me. And a beauty came out of the uh, rationality and the apologetics, apologetics oh side of the faith. So we did that for the entire semester. Once a week, I would call my buddy Tim up after the class because the teacher would allow us to come back the next week mm -hmm. with discussion on pros and cons or whatever the debate was. So you didn't have to do it right on the spot. You had time to right. think about it and develop your right. argument. And right. And come back. And you could always revisit past ones. So if it was oh, two really? weeks past, three weeks past, you could always bring it up. <clears throat> there was one that Tim and I never got around to discussing that... Hmm. Never answered where the, the professor brought it up himself. And it was a really good one. I couldn't answer it on the spot and it didn't make sense to me at first. His point was logical. The, it's the concept of um, doing good and you receive joy out of it. Well, oh. isn't that selfish? So is it really good? You know, that's was, an interesting question. He was a PhD professor, so doctor, I, you know, I, that's a good point. I get it. So if I do something that benefits somebody else, and yet I receive joy from mm -hmm. it, satisfaction. Isn't that a selfish event? And in that sense, is it really authentic and authentically good? So, you know, I, I didn't have an answer. And for some reason, I didn't call it my buddy Tim huh. for that. And then the next day, maybe in the next class at least, uh, the professor said, well, there was a, I forgot the quote, and it was from a nun. And the concept was, well, of timing. You can do something that is good for somebody else that is selfless. Secondarily, you'll receive joy for that. And it was that that made it full. I was like, ah, you know what? That's the answer. That's right. And that came from the professor. He let it sit for a little bit yeah. and let it challenge you a little bit. That for a yeah. minute. And then he voluntarily offered that position. So it was that ethics class that was really a turning point. So now I'm really embracing a deeper faith. I'm going, okay. Yeah. One, it's been challenged. Uh, two, because of that challenge, I've grown from it. And three, you know, I am intellectually agreeing with the church's positions on these things. You okay. know what a blessing that is, Pete? Yeah, and it came from a secular world. Go figure. Right? Go figure. Yeah. It's just how big our God is. Well, I and like truth the, is truth. Well, and that's, that's a good point. So in my... Uh, in my uh, experience in a university level, mm -hmm. it makes sense. My knowledge of truth was coming from a science world, which can show you truth. But the university being kind of a circle of all the different um, colleges, mm -hmm. they're all elements of searching for truth, right? Mm -hmm. You can find elements of truth in philosophy. Absolutely. You can find truth in science. You can find truth in the liberal arts. You can find truth in engineering. You can find truth. So that entirety of a university is a circle of all finding truth, right? That's right. So that would just seem to really trigger me is that philosophy course. You wouldn't expect it. I did not. Yeah. And especially day one. 
Yeah, Dude, right off the bat. Oh, boy. Right off the bat. Right off the bat. Well, how, yeah. that's really special. Yeah, you know, I, not wish, I wish I could remember what some of the other points were, but... Oh, probably in the middle of the night, you'll wake up and don't have all these thoughts yeah. that have been triggered. No, I don't know. I've been trying to <laughs> think of them all my, all my life since then. Well, if it was important, you would remember. If it's necessary. You know, and, and, and what's, here's what's cool. If you're ever faced with that, you have that reservoir that right now you can't possibly maybe access, yeah. but it'll, it's there. Yeah. Right. And God, God can pull it out if, if it's needed. Yeah. Right. So if you're talking with somebody I mean, or I have the resources to go back to, I know what direction to go uh-huh. and what books to open up and what avenues to, to seek out those answers. Oh, cool. What a great experience. It was. Wow. And, and, you know, so many people don't, we don't get challenged like that in a, in a non-threatening because a lot of times we're challenged and there's always an agenda, there's usually an agenda behind it and certain energy around it. But this was a, an environment that actually allowed you to embrace the question and find the answer. And gave you time to figure out the truth. Yeah. Right. It didn't just say, you know what, we're going to have this discussion just in this class and we're never returning to this topic. Right. He was, nope, we're all here to find out the answers or at least explore truth to the depth we can. And it was allowed to always return back to any topic of any time during the uh, semester. And who has a good friend who's an apologist? Me. You. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. So um, did it, and this is kind of an off-the-wall question, but it, did at any time um, seminary sound interesting to you? Uh, you know what? Junior high level, little inclinations okay. of the priesthood would pop up. Um, scared me a bit. Okay. But, and I can honestly say I never really, uh, Not really. gave it an, a chance. So as you're going through university yep. uh, and you're on this science track, did you have a, what was your goal? don't really know. I still don't know what I want to do. Oh, really? Yeah. So, well, welcome to the club. Yeah. Well, my, my undergraduate was uh, soil science. So it was a kind of an agricultural okay. um, chemistry type of You think that was uh, because course. of living in the farmland like you did? No, or? it wasn't chosen. It was it's how I could get into Cal Poly. No kidding. So I applied to an engineering uh, university at mm-hmm. Cal Poly and I got denied. And I said, wait a second, I, I'm coming out, and I had phenomenal grades coming out of junior college. I'm thinking, what is going on yeah, here? No this is this this doesn't make sense to me. So I call them up, and they said, well, you're simply just missing a computer course. While that conversation was going on, my dad brought a letter to me, and it was a letter from the university, mm-hmm. and said, hey, we saw your application. You applied in a different uh, college, we would like you to try a shot at soil science. So okay. they gave me the opportunity. Um, I believe we set an appointment with their president, the probably the dean of the college, to visit him. And we went up there. My dad drove, took the day off work. We drove up there. Met, uh, Professor Brent Halleck was his name. And he talked with us and said, hey, we got a spot for you here in soil science if you want it. Wow. And I said, you know, I just want to be up here. Right. Um, I love the area. Oh my I gosh. Have some friends already in Beautiful San Luis Obispo. So 
uh, we said, yes, let's do it. And the next semester that came up, I was enrolled as a soil science student. So you got to play in the dirt. I did. And that was really interesting. I loved it. I love being around the agricultural uh-huh. group. Uh, a lot of my friends were still in it. So some of my friends that were in agriculture from high school were up in there and got to hang around them. Yeah. And so that led to the intern spot you were talking yep. about earlier? Western Farm Service was the company I interned with for a little bit, worked on some of the fields in Southern California. Okay. Um, then I did some internships with Dow Chemical. Okay. Uh, they have an ag division called Dow AgroSciences, did some work for them for a bit um, and graduated, got my degree, did a little bit more work for Dow Chemical and decided, you know what, that this wasn't the life I wanted. The college life is very different than the professional life. What I would call the real world. (laughs) Man, I got out in the real world. And the uh, degree I had was a little too much uh, science than what I wanted to apply in the real life. So I was driving up and down the Central Valley working with contractors who would use Dow's product Mm -hmm. for testing or trials. If I wasn't doing that, I was in a lab counting leaves, counting bugs, and the seemingly average age of the my coworker was probably fifties. Oh my gosh! Yeah, just so didn't you're fit. like mid right out of college, right out of right, college, right, right out of college. Yeah. And I decided, you know what, this just isn't the life for me. I I don't want to say that I'm going crazy. I'm isolated. Uh, I'm driving up and down the state. Uh-huh. Phenomenal amount of um, miles on my car. I would be in Bakersfield one day. The next morning, I'd need to be up in Sacramento. Oh, my god! And then I'd need to be further up or then go back down to Fresno. And that was kind of my um, my journeys up and down the Central Valley for that period of time that I worked for them. Were you still practicing your faith at this point? Uh, yes, I was. Yeah, I don't, don't recall a pushing off of the faith. Um, I don't recall a lethargy at that point. I think... Th- while at the university is where I was kind of hit and miss okay. about my mass attendance is really where my problem, problems of consistency lied. Mm-hmm. Then when I graduated and got out in the real world, yeah, I attended mass frequently. And it was still, it was definitely my faith at that point. I, um, I don't know, I, I accepted that I was Catholic and I agree with the Catholic disposition. So continued on. As you traveled around, did you have a home base you would return to every weekend, or did you have yeah, to was, find a new church every week? To... No, the home base was uh, a place called Bass Lake. It's north of Fresno. You know what? Bass Lake. Okay. Don't tell me you know of it. So my dad worked for PG&E. Okay. And PG&E has um, They've, cabins at Bass Lake. They do. They've got a phenomenal Wishon Cove campground. And I spent time there. Okay. So I know Bass Lake. So Bass Lake... Uh, some of my dad's coworkers always would do a summer trip to Bass Lake and we would always go with them. And one of them ended up buying a cabin in Bass Lake. Well, okay. he continued to work in the LA area. And when I got my job with Dow Chemical, mm-hmm. it, I was supposed to be based out of Fresno. Well, Bass Lake is an hour north of Fresno. Yeah. And I thought, well, if I got to drive up and down the Central Valley anyway, it really doesn't matter how close I am to the lab. That's right. Well, he offered, he's like, look, I'm not using this cabin. Why don't you just live at my cabin? Oh, my gosh. He wouldn't even accept my checks. What? That I sent him for rent. It was fantastic. That's amazing. So I lived in the cabin when I was in the Fresno area, uh-huh. or I'm driving up and down the state. 
Wow. And then one of the, I, the thing I remember is that we were also close to uh, Yosemite. Yeah, I would take, when I was in town, uh, I would drive up to Yosemite and go fishing in the Mariposa River yeah. or go into the valley. There were times I'd be in the valley about 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. just to hike around or go fishing. And the moment I come out, probably nine o'clock, and the valley was packed, it would be dead empty in the morning and, and then, then packed with buses. Bang. Yep. <clears throat> and I remember that, you know, because I, I have a, um, my my BA is in biology. And okay, I met, I concentrated in environmental, and I I remember uh, the geology of Yosemite is just fascinating. Yeah, you know, and I I don't know as a soil scientist how much you we had to take mineralogy and we had to identify the minerals by eyesight and the which yeah the composition of granite based on yeah, yeah. how much uh, hornblende plagioclase <laughs> quartz is in there. <laughs> Oh, I hated those. Oh, bet, but you still remember it. I, I remember it. I wasn't good at telling it. Oh, you'll like this. Um, so, soil science you have to you have to identify soils and um, what they can do and can't do based on eyesight. And there's hue, value, and chroma to different layers of really. Yeah, and it turns out I'm colorblind. Oh, they didn't help. No, and I never, I struggled through that part of the courses. How did you do it? I did, I just muddled through. Wow. I could, they, we'd, as, we'd have these little booklets with um, the hue, value, and chroma measurements mm-hmm. on it, and a little stamped color picture next to it, but it also had a little cutout window. So that was my, I'd have to hold it up to the different layers of the soil uh-huh. and try to eyeball, is this the exact same color? Never did good. It I'll was bet. one of my weakest parts of oh um, soils evaluation. Was the, <laughs> and I never knew I was colorblind until several years later. I got my grad degree Get and moved on. Here. And a buddy of mine uh, had me take a test. And that's when I found out I was colorblind. Now, did you, did you dress yourself funny or something? Or? Probably. <laughs> I I had an argument with my wife over her buying some uh, professional attire. She, we went to, I don't know the name of the place, but she was getting a suit for work. Okay. And she got a, I think it was a brown suit. And then she got another brown suit. And I said, why would you get why two brown suits? Why would you get brown two suit? brown suits? It just doesn't make sense. Sure, maybe a little slightly different, but two brown suits. And... It became a thing in the middle of the store. Oh, no. I was like, you don't need two brown suits. And she said, you're crazy. This one's brown and this one's green. <laughs> to the point where she grabbed some bystander wow. and said, excuse me, sir, what color is this suit? Brown. And what color is this one? And he said, green. And I instantly said, nope, both of you guys are wrong. I was so sure they you were, were both so brown. sure. Yeah. They and were in cahoots. After that, I took the test. Wow. Yeah. Now, that's just amazing that you could get by for so long. I mean, what do you do with traffic lights? No, so I can see um, certain spectrums of I see. red, green. Okay. My, I forgot the classification I have. Uh, I struggle with red, green, and blue, green, mm-hmm. but not the full spectrums of both of them. Gotcha. So, and the, the in-between, they'll look brown. They just both look brown look to brown. me. Wow. So when you see those Ishihara colorblind charts, it's the circle with oh, all the yeah. dots in it. I can't it's, pattern out a number out of them. How interesting. Yeah. Wow. That's really amazing. Couldn't tell by looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> or the way I dress. You know, if I, I wore a gray shirt. 
it, so I have a lot of grays. That's and safe. All blues, right? Yes, yeah. it's safe. Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. So, um, so you're having you're having this uh, thought. You know, gosh, I don't want to. This is my career. Right. I don't want to do this as a career. Um, so, what did did you start? How did you? How do you then go about changing what you do? I was in Bass Lake, mm-hmm. and I was thinking this really isn't for me. This is not exciting. This is a the work. It was kind of drudgery. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't fulfilling. Well, he wants to count leaves. Well, here's what's even the bigger factor. My girlfriend at the time was still at Cal Poly. Oh, so I thought. Well, you know what? I can apply for a grad degree. And get back there and at least buy myself two more years to figure this out. Sure. So I did. So I got into their master's of business administration program Mm. and started a business degree. And did that seem to fit better for you? Yeah, absolutely did. That one just resonated so much more. Did you ever take any proficiency exams when you were younger that said, hey, you should do this or go into this field? We did that in high school. And I remember, I forgot the name of the test. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. It, they were saying physics or l- lawyer or judge. I remember those jumped oh. out at me. I don't know how well I scored on those, but those were the the two categories. Okay. Was either physics or law. Interesting. Okay. So yeah. now you're in now you're, now so you're going I'm in business, business administration. Yep. Business school. So we're in business school. That really uh, was inspiring. At that point, got through the first year, got married. So my wife had graduated, and on her graduation day, I proposed to her. So the girlfriend you were talking about, yeah, that was it still at Cal Poly? Yes, is your wife. And by the way, she is the one that you should interview. I swear, her story is yeah, much more we'll, vibrant we'll than get mine. There. You know, TT, that's TT's <laughs> is that know, sphere. So, well, right now it's you. Yeah, I'll have to. After yeah, this, you have one hundred percent of my time. Do I get the uh, the ability to go talk to TT and say why me? Is there something about That's between you and her. Okay. All right. I'll let you guys work that out. All right. So I married, uh, my wife's name is Dawn. She graduated architecture school. Oh. Oh, wow. And I proposed to her. We got married. I was, now at this point, I still have another year of. This is before you got your your, uh, master's. Right. So it was right in the middle. We got married right in the middle um, down at the Mission San Ynez. It's where we actually had the ceremony. Mm Mm-hmm. And then her aunt and uncle own and run a vineyard winery down there. So we had the reception down there. Still going to school. She ends up uh, picking up a job at a architecture firm in uh, Pismo Beach. Okay. Which is, you know, right around the corner from San Luis Obispo. And I continued uh, my final year of my grad degree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now, did she have a BA or a master's? When she in architecture, do you, do you, know? you know what? No, it was just a BA that okay. was controversial. Yet, yeah. so they go five years minimum to get that bachelor's. Yeah, to get yeah. that bachelor's, and that was always they. A, I kid you not. She put in twice as much work as I ever did in any of my wow. classes. Which is even better is once you get to the business school, they always have Fridays off in the business school. And oh. here, I here I was getting Fridays off, and she's working like a dog yeah. in her lab, putting together her models or all her CAD drawings. And it's like, hey, what do you want to do on Friday? It's like, I have to be in the lab. It's like, okay. I'll see you later. Yeah. Enjoy. <laughs> have fun. We'll catch up. We'll catch up later. Right. Wow. She um, was not Catholic either when uh, prior to meeting me. Really? She actually converted... 
I don't know how long before our marriage. So she, what was her faith affiliation it, at that point? N- nothing. Nothing? Yeah, it wasn't so much um, like an atheist. It mm-hmm. was just, just nothing. wasn't around it, just yeah. nothing. I know it. her stepdad, it kind of rubbed him wrong that I was Catholic. Oh. So it was a little bit of friction between us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but he... he uh, I don't recall him ever pushing back on it. Well, Don obviously didn't have a problem with it. No. um, If anything, they had a rocky relationship early on. Anyway. And so, if anything, Mm. it made made, uh, getting away from that a little more attractive. Yeah. Yeah, I can see see that. Sure. So, she actually, on her own, and that was an interesting time. We still talk about that to this day. Uh, I tried to at least stay out of the way of her conversion. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to... Influence her incorrectly. Sure. I didn't want her to uh, do it for me. No, she's got to do it for herself. Right, right, and right. When we were dating, I didn't know if we want to get married or not. So if you're going to go down this road, you're not doing it because of this guy. Right. Because we may not be together. So you need yeah. to figure this out on your own. Yeah. She did. She chose to continue on, and she got baptized, confirmed, and first communion. That's definitely a story I want to hear. Definitely. Well, it's really in depth, too. It's okay. So my story, I find, is... Well, I don't want you to tell her story. No, no, I'm not going to tell her story, but get this. So I find mine to be much more vanilla, and I don't have moments of uh, spiritual intervention or a divine handwriting on the wall type of yes, event. Yes, you do. I, well, n- not look at, firsthand. Look at, look at that at philosophy class and, and your friend. And well, but how- you, you, would, you could see that through the human experience or a rational discussion. It's just people being people side. Whereas her story has much, uh, it has moments of epiphanies that are clearly beyond... The rational? Uh, the rational. It's definitely super rational. That's sweet. And she has multiple moments of, well, this is, this is, this is a, akin to God directly talking to me. Wow. Or such as like a, what you would expect to be a locution. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mine, no, no, I, mine I, is, mine is pretty uh, vanilla. Like yeah, you said. Is it, is it, Hers is more Rocky Road. Is it, is it thrifty vanilla or is it Ben and Jerry's vanilla? Whew. See, you, now you're tugging on me because I actually worked at a Ben and Jerry's <laughs> back way back when. That's um, funny. And funny, for two years, did not eat their ice cream Can't get at them. all. I couldn't, now, couldn't do it. You must have willpower to beat the band. No, 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 no. You work there, and if you, we, our uh, shop was right next to a theater. Yeah. So we'd have to stay open till the very last movie theater uh, group got out. Yeah. It could be early in the morning. I and, mean. and it would be, right? But you've been there sweating, working hard with sticky arms up to your armpits. The last thing you wanted. The last thing I wanted was ice cream. And for two years, I didn't eat it. And to the, to the times when uh, our freezers would drop in temp, oh. we couldn't sell the ice cream, so you would take it home. I would not eat that stuff at home either. You give it to your friends? Yeah, and take it home, give it to my parents, give it to anybody <laughs> else who wanted it. And they had the what, the big three and a half gallon Oh yeah, those huge boxes huge. of it. Yep. So have you made it for lost time? Oh easy. Yeah, that's not a problem now. <laughs> but anyway, uh it was uh yeah, we'll go Ben and Jerry's uh Ben and Jerry's. I, I kinda had a thought. Yeah. yeah. No chunks in it though. No chunks. Oh yeah. okay. Oh well. Your life's not over yet. You might still get chunks. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, so, but you're right. You're right about the, uh, the the philosophy class. That was a, a turning point for me, but it was definitely much more on a a temporal level, right? It was mm, more like a yeah. Two I guess people, you could say that. I mean, I, it's what is it in the Old Testament where uh, what king was it that saw the hand of God writing on the wall? Oh, that was Nebuchadnezzar. Yes, not that. My life isn't that. My you life. Know, I is, would say most people's life isn't like that. Right. I agree. Yeah. But you can definitely, you know, God is a master of timing. And the timing of the class hitting you at the time of your life that it did, that the professor, you could have had a different ethics professor and it could have gone a completely different direction. Yeah. And the fact that your friend Tim was available to you. Yeah. Um, I see that as God setting it up. That's what I think. Yeah. And I hear you. Uh, and the difficulty I have with that is it's not, I that kind of leans towards a, a mission in my life as being a linear path of you're going to go, Pete, you're going to go down this road and this is what you're going to do next. And you're going to hit this ethics class. And it's at that point, you're going to embrace the Catholic faith on your own. And then you're going to go on and you're going to do this in this path. And that's what's predestined for me. And I don't mean to use the wrong word, but it's more, I see it more like a Plinko game. Of life. It definitely is. It's a choose your own adventure. And all right, if you're going to choose to go here, these are the things that will occur. Or if you choose to go here, these are the things that are going to occur. Right. Or if you go this way. And guess who designed the, guess who designed right. the Plinko game? Yeah, the Plinko game is, is God. But there's so much freedom of there is. my choosing there is. within there that I don't see it as a linear path of this is what I have to do this one thing. And, and I don't see it. I don't thing. see that either. Okay. But I do see, I just do see timing. Uh, I don't believe in coincidences. Um, and it, God can move mountains to make things happen. Absolutely. And he cares about us individually yeah. enough to do stuff like that. Yeah, I agree. You know, and because uh, when I look back on my life, at the time I was going through, through something, I didn't see it. But looking back upon it, I can see the hand of God um, not in a overt way, but, you know, a nudge here and a nudge there kind of a thing. I think that's probably what I'm trying to convey. I'm just not doing it as eloquent as you just did. That's okay. Yeah. I make stuff up on the fly. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> I, I've talked enough. I got the gift of gab, I guess. Uh, I'm not Irish, the, but close. The theology of Chris. I'm subscribing. <laughs> so um, that's too much. Okay. So you, your wife, Don, has a job. Yes. As architect. So she's and, an architect. I'm you're still, still in your, So um, once you have graduated, did you, obviously you're looking for, for something to do. Yeah, I graduated. Actually, a company uh, wanted me. It was interesting. They uh, uh, recruited me. They signed me up with a sign-on bonus and whatnot. No kidding. Yeah, and this is interesting. That's kind of how I got to Sacramento, too. So I graduated with my grad degree and this company just, let's see. So I think they gave me an offer in February of that year. And then I graduated subsequent May. Now, what part of business? I mean, were you like an accountant? Were you into like business law or business like theory management? In, in the master's program, we didn't have to define any specific oh, really? area. It was just a master's of business administration. Oh, okay. Um, I guess you probably say my emphasis was more on the finance side. Okay. But I didn't have a minor in finance. Okay. So I, I was approaching graduation. I get an offer from a company at that time was Anderson Consulting, affiliated with Arthur Anderson. Mm-hmm. 
And Arthur the, Anderson? Yeah. He was in the news. Or that company was in the well, news, right? Well, this is right when it gets fun, right? I'll bet. They extended me an offer uh, with sign-on bonus. Blew me away. Why would any company want me? I, I was ecstatic. Yes, absolutely. We'll do well, because it. Because you were the top of your class, Turn, right? Turns out the, uh, the recruiter was from San Francisco. Okay. And I had put on my recruitment form, you know, I was born and raised in the Los Angeles area. L.A. is where I want to be. Well, they missed that part. And they said, they said, ah, well, we got a spot for you in San Francisco. So San Francisco is where we want you. And wow. we can talk to Los Angeles, but, you know, we're ready to go in San Francisco. All right. That's fine. My wife's from Grass Valley area. Oh, um, sure. Not, not far. been to San Francisco. Kind of neat. Yeah. I've checked it out once or twice. Yeah, but that means she has to quit her job? That was fine. That's exactly what she wanted. Oh. The Pismo Beach job was uh, meant to be temporary until okay. I graduated. I see. She, at the same time as I got my offer, got an offer for a small niche firm in the Sausalito area. Right across to the do bridge. custom homes. Right across the bridge. And it was perfect. So we... Uh, put all our stuff in storage after I graduate, mm-hmm. and we decide, you know what, we're going to be heads down working for quite a bit of time. Let's go on a trip on the East Coast. And that's when the economy starts turning around and jobs start drying up instantly. Yeah. And I'm, we're actually on vacation in, I want to say we were checking out Washington, D.C. at the time, and I got a phone call from my recruiter saying, hey, look, we're going to have to push you off a little bit, like 10 months. That's not a little bit. I said, I, well, I can't live in San Francisco without a job. And they said, well, they were, they were going to float me some money. And I said, well, that's not enough. Um, can you reconsider? And through a little bit of back and forth and some uh, nice letters to each other, uh, they decided, you know what? If you're willing to go to Sacramento, we can hold the same start date and the same salary. And so, you know what? Sure. Okay. And we don't see the hand of God in that at all, right? Uh, I know other people outside me do. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't feel a sense of, um, direct intervention. Well, it's not, it's, you're not, you're not, there's no sense of the miraculous. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a mundane act of God. It's, I can absolutely see the mundane. I just, uh, you know what I'm, you see where I'm struggling? I do. And yeah. you know, in, 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 when I think of stuff like that, it's like, okay, so would, some, would God orchestrate what was going on in the world at the time just to land me in Sacramento? That's a hard stretch. That's a, there you go. That's a hard stretch. That's where I'm at. That's where my head still is at. But God can juggle lots of balls, so who knows what else was going on? Yeah. So it was maybe you and, and maybe a whole lot of people yeah. were getting juggled. Yeah, I, I know I was one of the few that was able to still retain their same start date. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of my uh, colleagues didn't have jobs. And you hadn't, you hadn't bought a place yet. No. Sac- or rented or you hadn't moved there yet. No. You were traveling. So Sacramento then was an option. Well, here's the, the additional component to it is, so my wife has her job in Sausalito. Well, because of the company I worked for was going to have me commuting all over the place. It didn't matter where we lived. Oh, so she ended up working in Sausalito. A little bit of a, a story between uh, switching jobs mm-hmm. in Sausalito. She went to a different firm um, because the former had difficulty bringing her on board, mm-hmm. but they lined her up for, with somebody else, which is a bigger custom home 
group. I don't know what you call it, architecture firm. Mm-hmm. And she ends up there. Uh, I'm traveling all over the place. First five months all over the world. Not all over the world. What am I talking about? All over the United excited. States. Chicago, Arizona, San Jose, where else? Irvine. So I'm traveling a lot. Yeah. And they're training me to be a coder. Computers. Oh, what? Yeah. It makes no sense. Um, Not really. That consulting firm's business model was we're taking one person who's really good in computers or science, one person with a business degree, and one person with um, some other attributes that we appreciate. And we're going to put them together, and they're going to work together to design code and test software systems that's kind of their business model so that's how they brought me in was i have my business degree they want me to be part of their teams who go around and help write software systems and test and implement and work with the clients you've got the computer science person to be able to write the code Mm -hmm. and know the technology you need the business persons where i came in to work with the client and understand the processes and the business procedures and document them. She still had to know a little bit about the other. Well, part. that's where they, they yeah. put me through it is, is uh, I went through five months of straight up training for training. the first five months and then traveled around the, the country as a newlywed. As a newlywed. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Uh, we end up moving to Napa because she transferred offices from Sausalito to Napa and still I was commuting. Then we had our first child. And then she said, that's it. I'm not working anymore. Uh, let's move to Sacramento. So we did. So we ended up in Sacramento in 2002. Okay. And up, up, through all this time, you're, you're still actively practicing your faith. Yes. Um, it wasn't. Yes, we were definitely Catholic. Um, though later on, we had kind of a reinvigoration of fire. And it, so it, it was kind of a, that period of time between grad school, college, you made a little bit before, through, through our first, maybe even our second, was a little more of a flat faith mm-hmm. period of time. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anything that, um, that really reinvigorated my faith. I wasn't really passionate about it. I'm not saying it wasn't uh, in agreement with the church. It just... Went through the motions. Yeah, no, I get it. So I went through the motions, and then um, it was, I think, around, so we, let me back up. 2002, we come to Sacramento, did a little parish shopping. Mm. A few of the parishes just didn't inspire us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We happened across the cathedral, Mm -hmm. and we loved the the beauty of the church. We loved the beauty of the liturgy, liturgy. So that hooked us. We stuck with it through uh, St. Elizabeth, through the renovation. Through the renovation. Great little story in that. That's how we got to meet Lola Christ. Okay, sure. So we have our, our daughter, Daphne, uh, was only a couple years old at the time, and we were trying to instruct her on the faith. And behind the canter stand at St. Elizabeth was a statue of Mary. Mm. And we were trying to point out, hey, look, that's a statue of Mary. Mm-hmm. Well, she confused Lola with Mary. So she thought we were pointing to Lola. And then to course correct her, we walk up after mass one day and say, excuse me, we just wanted to talk to you because our daughter's 
thought you were Mary and we want to just introduce her to you and you to her. Set the record straight. Just set the record straight. Sure. And that was Lola. So we became friends with Lola. Oh, that, And she thought that was fantastic. Oh, she must have died. Oh, yes, she did. You can imagine, right? Yep, I can. So that started us um, getting to know Lola and kind of recharging our, our, uh, at least our celebration of the mass Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. she was so phenomenal to be around. She was full of life. Yes. And joy and just, yeah, she was delight to know and be around. Yes. 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 Uh, then we end up back at the cathedral when it reopened. Okay. And great story there is we used to sit next to the uh, choir loft, uh, the choir stand, you know, those little wicker chairs that are just off to the left of the Rex's organ. Mm-hmm. We used to sit right there. Oh. Until one day I decided I am going to sing as loud as I can during the uh the petitions. Right. And Lola starts cracking up. <laughs> she is laughing so hard she has to turn her head away. Uh that's awesome. And, and after that point, we moved to where you know us now. Yeah, on the other I side like, of the you church. Know what? I, I can't I can't disturb Lola. That's while pretty she's the funny. cantor. Because she said, oh, something to the effect of, oh, honey, you have so many great attributes. Singing is <laughs> singing not one of, them. one of them. So after that, we moved to the other side. So Bless I your heart, though, for singing out. And, and I remember distinctly, so back to the faith journey, my upbringing, I remember my dad was a horrible singer. Dad, okay. uh, if you hear this, my apologies, but you're aware. Um, terrible singer. Uh-huh. And I remember him telling me one day, he said, it well, it's the voice God gave me. I'm going to give it back to him. Well, so there you go. I'm doing the same thing Why not? that he did. And actually, a good point on that is he was pivotal in my uh, my faith journey. So probably about junior college area, mm-hmm. era when I'm starting to see the brokenness of the world. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing him. And one day I just looked at him and I thought, you know what? That's my father. My father believes his faith. That was sufficient for me. His faith was my faith. And I was okay with that. Not in any um, surface level issue. Mm -hmm. It just made sense to me of seeing his witness was now something I'll be able to grab as a point in time. It's like, if I ever doubt, I know my dad believes and I'm going to hold on to that. So that period of time, probably from junior college until, till um, through grad school was a, a good point for me to hold on to was like, you know what my dad's faith left um a mark on me yeah he was a rock for yeah, you yeah he w- really was so that's awesome that's one part i probably left out anyway so his his uh, his witness um moved me uh-huh. to keep the faith and through college through grad school until i became my own now did that impress you as to be a rock for your children I don't know. I don't see myself right. as that. Here, you know what? I got to give that to you to think about. So I've got six kids, and you, you're aware of this, I right? Um, I find I've come more to know God mm-hmm. as the Father mm-hmm. through kids. I find it the oh, fantastic divine comedy, right? So here's the deal: we're gonna have. They're gonna. God's gonna make it so. A husband and wife have children, but God Himself does not have grandchildren, right? So in a sense, this is true. Children are on par with their parents. So we have to take care of these children of God as I am a child of God. 
it's a divine responsibility I have mm -hmm. to raise them and I have to show them the right path. I have to give them the correct rules. I have to course correct them, but I have to love them mm -hmm. and I have to show them mercy. Wait a second. The moments I have to show them mercy, it feels good to me to show them mercy, to understand, to see the circumstances they're in and understand why they erred mm -hmm. and to look at them and say, you know what? I need you to do a little bit better, but I understand why you did what you did. So I'm going to course correct you in such a way that I think is best for you and not out of my own ego, not because you ticked me off, right? but because I think this is best for you. And I have found no greater moment than those to get to know God is than being a father. Yeah. And it's, it's magical in a way, but it happens so frequently. Not only that, when they, they, uh, they do something incorrect mm -hmm. and it hurts me, I can imagine how much, how much do I hurt God? And that's something. Well, and if he's not punished me severely, how much must I then pass on his mercy as well? You know what? That is deep. That's so profound. Passing actually. On, being a father by hands down has been the most um, faith uh, affirming event. One of the things that you said that I don't know that I've ever actually consciously thought about, but which is absolutely right, is that in the eyes of God, we're all equal. It's only when we look at it from our perspective that you've got this hierarchy of family, father, son, daughter, wife. Right. But in God's eyes, we're all equal. It's kind of weird. Not only is it weird, God being all-powerful yeah. could have done it in another way. Could have. But you know what? I'm going to make it so you guys take care of my other children so you get a better reflection of me through your position. I'm going to pass on a little bit of my authority to you to raise them so you get a better understanding of me. And it's definitely, hands down, brought me closer to God, uh, at least in the sense of God the Father. Sure. Wow, that's pretty cool, Pete. Yeah. I really, that's a great story. And that's over time, yeah, you just see that and in it your takes, kids. That, that's the wisdom of, God gives us time so that we learn. Yes. And we, and, and. It's the gift of getting older, and you get to pass that on to your children and other people that maybe God brings into your sphere to provide input and advice and encouragement. That's cool. Yeah, there's also, in being a dad, there's nothing more humbling either. When you reflect your position as being a father yeah. to God the Father, and you realize how he's treating you, uh, just very humbling. It's Not like, bad. oh my gosh, I'm really messed up. I could have done so much greater, but yet you still love me. Oh, man. And if, if I love my kids the way you love, you've got to love me more than the way I love my kids. Oh, my gosh. I know. Crazy. It'll blow your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So we had the singing fiasco. Oh, yes. You move across, you move, I don't, I don't forget these things. Um, move across the other side of the church so you don't distract. Your excuse is you don't distract the Lola. I'm not sure. This no, that, that, that absolutely is it. That's it. I felt so bad. And I kid you not, she was cracking up. Oh, I bet she enjoyed that. And it was echoing through the microphone. Are you serious? That's great. I didn't want to mess up the liturgy. The liturgy is well, really important. I love the I way the liturgy is extremely important. Right. 
But how can you mess it up? So I'm going to go sit on the, we're going to go sit on, we also start having more kids that are noisy and distracting. Yeah, that kind of comes with kids. And as you were taking care of Jesse the other day, that was my role with the little ones. I would take my little kids to the back of the church. Mm -hmm. I believe it's called the Narthex. Is that correct? I think that's the term. Yeah. So I would put them in a stroller and we just walk back and forth. Yeah. So that being on the other side allows me easier access to get to the back of the church. Mm -hmm. So we stayed on that side. Yeah, not a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. And continued on my journey of faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was around so a couple of years in there. Then 2008, I start uh, saying the daily rosary. And I started doing that on my own. So th- mm-hmm. that was another point. So it was probably about a good gap of a couple of years. Um, three kids in, I start saying the daily rosary. And then that turned into... A uh, point I did want to make is read a book at my parents' house on Medjugorje. I don't know if you've oh, sure. read uh-huh. about it. I never read books. I don't read any material other than that's on my my uh, computer monitor. Okay. And that book jumped out at me, and it was a book my mom had. We went down for Christmas. I was bored out of my mind. I don't know why. I've got a bunch of kids. We're down at Christmas. Doesn't make sense. I'm sitting in a chair with nothing to do, and I look over, and there's my mom's Medjugorje book, ready mm-hmm. cover, front to back, instantly. And that set into me a current moment of faith. Um, I'm not saying it right. Faith is alive and active right now. Miracles are going on mm-hmm. right now. It used to be in my mind things were all historical. Oh. Right. Jesus' miracles, the history of the church, that's all in the past. Yeah, I agree. And then it kind of stopped, right? And then now we're just living on the history of back then. And faith is still the faith, but... Yeah, these are fond memories. But it's not going on right now. And then I went, you know what? I remember in elementary school, them showing us videos of the children at Medjugorje, where they were being scientifically tested. They flashed bulbs in their face. Uh and I remember seeing it. The kids didn't budge. Like, huh. oh, wait a second. What is going on here? Then I reread this book in 2008. Mm-hmm. And I go, wait a second. This is reinvent. It's like, oh my gosh, this is really going on. And then that set the fire on. I started watching everything I could. Um, akin to what we're doing here, the Journey Home Network. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've ever saw those on EWTN. Love those. Everyone I could see, I'd watch. Um, what else was I? See, God is the God into? of timing. That, yeah. book, that book got to you at the right time. And what's funny is my wife says that a lot. She says, you do not read books. And that one jumped out at you and you read it front to back. And I, that, that makes no sense. You wouldn't do that on your own. Yeah, I'm still okay. str- struggling to embrace the miraculous nature of that. But I'm, okay. go- I'm moving forward with it. Anyway, I, I read it and it really inspired me. And then from that, I read... Um, Abandonment to the Divine Providence. I've never heard of that one. Oh, very good one. Um, I forgot the name. Uh, Jean-Pierre Cousseau. Great, great book. That one came directly from my mom. My mom found out that I had read the Medjugorje book Mm -hmm. over Christmas, and I believe the subsequent Easter we were down there, and she said, here, read this. It's a classic Catholic book. Abandonment to the Divine Providence. I have to look that one up. And it settled me in such a way that I never experienced. I, I thought for a moment, faith 
had to be something I was always striving out to go do or mm-hmm. for the glory of God, right? Oh, okay, we got to go help all the homeless. I got, I've got to go do this. I've got to go do something. And that book said, well, hold on. Once you stop and listen to God, let go, abandon yourself to God's providence. That may not be for you. What you are thinking I want you to do is your own thinking. You need to relax. Let it come Call to you. Almost the one that jumped out to me, there's a line in there, something about you almost have to be asked twice or three times uh-huh. to do it. And then that's when you understand that, that that is where you need to be. So in the old, so this rings, this resonates strongly with me because this is my own personal philosophy. There's an old Testament, um, I feel, whether it's, I don't know where it is in Deuteronomy or Leviticus or somewhere back, you know, in the law, it says that when someone is accused of something, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, a, a thing will be decided, right? So my personal philosophy is, is that I'm not going to do anything unless it's been mentioned to me two or three times. Then you would love this, but this would and, resonate with you. Sound, and, yeah. and, and so when I was going through RCIA, becoming a Catholic, um, someone mentioned to me that I had a really wonderful reading voice and that I would be a good lector. Now, I'm, you know, I'm brand new to Catholicism. I'm like, okay. So I, I stick that in, you know, my back pocket. And then months later, a different person comes up to me and says, you know, you have a really great voice. You'd make a good lector. I'm like, okay, thanks, Lord. And I looked into it, and um, there were some things I had to go through, but eventually yeah, I started proclaiming the word from the ambo. Um, but that's, that's, that's how I operate. Yeah. That, I think it's very consistent with the, uh, the message of that book. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check that book yeah, out Yeah, Abandonment sure. to the Divine Providence. I think it's Jean-Pierre Cousseau. Okay. There may be... D- I'll, I'll discussion Google. of if it was really him or not who Doesn't wrote it. Who, who cares? It's a classic. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, it's really good. I, had a, I think I even had to read some pages two, three times because it's kind of heavy at times. Yeah. D- didn't quite understand it. But those, Combo of the Medjugorje book and the Abandonment to the Divine Providence. Just, kind of stirred up a flame within you. It did. It did. It really dialed in my faith and solidified it. Now, I can't say that anything glorious after the fact is happened i haven't done anything on a grand scale other than have more kids that's and, pretty grand well, I, yeah that's right you can you imagine uh altar servers without the roughings not at the no. 11 o'clock no and you know i um because i joined the church in 2000 10 o'clock yeah. it's 10 o'clock now it's a 10 o'clock now i know uh, i know um because i'm in the choir right because until then, I was I was going to the seven thirty, and the nine o'clock. Okay. The nine o'clock is the RCI Master of the Catechumens kind of thing. I wouldn't go to the eleven o'clock. But then when I started in choir, I would go to the eleven o'clock, and that's where I'm like, who who are these people with all those kids, <laughs> right? And um, and then through uh, through Rex and Stephanie, like I I found out who you were, and. But that was so. Your so Daphne was still young, maybe middle school aged or Let's high school. See, when did you? She was two thousand seven. Two thousand seven. So she was yeah. She was pretty young. Yeah. So in a way, I've watched them grow, and um, uh, I always sort of there's a smile on my face when I see your kids. They they take a um, 
they really own the ministry of being an altar server. They do. And it's, it's, I think it was, uh, uh, breaks tears to my eyes thinking about it. It was one, it was, it could have been the Immaculate Conception. I think it might have been. And I was watching Daphne show the other altar servers what to do. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my so gosh. She's so good. She has so grown into that and, and embraced a leadership type of a role. Yeah. Oh, she loves telling those kids what to do, her brothers yeah. and sisters. Oh, I'll bet. Yeah. I'll bet. And then, now is it, is it your son that when, when the deacon walks out or that he will incense the people? Oh, that, that is a funny background story. Yes. That's Eli. A, so Eli. He's very serious. He, yeah. oh yes, he does. That was a little bit of a controversy in our house. That, it was. Uh, Michael Agnesty uh-huh. wanted to train somebody up to do the incense. And so we thought, well, Daphne's going to some point move on. Mm-hmm. We're going to have Eli longer. I'm going to train him up. And Daphne's like, no, 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 no. I want to do that. <laughs> so you'll see that they're always together doing it. <laughs> Daphne will do the incense boat, right? Which has the raw incense. Uh-huh. In it, and Eli will have the throwable with the, uh, with the incense in it. That's hysterical. So it is fantastic. It was a great story. It was a little controversy in our house of who gets to do the incense and why is it Eli get to do it? Why isn't it me? Well, or at some point you're going to move on and yeah. Michael wants somebody as long as it's a little bit more training involved and that's funny. Eli got it, but you'll see them switch off mm-hmm. back and oh, forth. Yeah. They yep. do. Yeah. But it's cool. And, and then every once in a while, and this, I think it was pre COVID. Um, when, was it one of your younger sons? But actually, he's a little guy. Little Peter. Yeah. He's a little guy. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Call him Petey. He's acting like a big guy. So when he moved he, up, yeah. When he, he owns it too. When he got uh, uh, First Communion, he definitely wanted to be up there with the team. That's Michael's cut line, right? Is he, you've got to go through First Communion and then you can uh, yeah, come on to uh, the Ultra server. Which yep. makes sense. Yep. Right. That's why um, we only have one left in the pew with us. That's Elizabeth. She's our youngest. Oh, we used to fill up she? the whole pew. She's, what, probably five now? Okay. But we used to fill up a pew, entire pew, with all our kids. And now it's just one. It's kind of weird. It is kind of weird. Yeah, the rest of them are over with Michael. Oh, my gosh. And white cassocks. And that's something, though. How do you feel about that? I think it's great. I love my role in that. Let me have my children go up and do those things. And my job will be to uh, put them in a position to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. As you're, Now that your children are, are older, have you st- looked into possibly participating in a ministry in the parish? Myself? Mm-hmm. I had not. Okay. Just hadn't looked into it. Hadn't looked into it? Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's understandable. I mean, raising kids is kind of like first priority. most important thing you can do is raise your, raise your kids. Be a good husband. Yep. Be a good follower of Christ. All important things. And everything else comes with, do you have time to devote to doing something else, right? Um, But eventually, as Elizabeth is your youngest? Yes. Yes, as she gets older, then you both may have a different I can guarantee I am not going in the choir. <laughs> and Rex, Rex will probably attest to it. It's like, yeah, no, 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 not that gonna guy. Yeah, we do have standards here. That guy's not coming in. He's not coming in. Yeah. That's funny. There's, but there's a lot. There's a lot to oh, do. Certainly. And, and um, you know, you've got such a great, friendly, welcoming personality. 
um, there's, I'm sure that if God wants to use you in some way, that you'd be great, whatever yeah. it is. Yep. That's, but you got to have two or three I, witnesses. Yeah, two or three. I got to be asked two or three times. So I'm going to go out and get some of my friends. <laughs> Line them up. Go, hey, hmm. you need to go talk to people. See, this is where I, I start to wonder about these divine intervention moments. How much are they actually the hand of God versus the humans diving on the train to kind of direct it the way they want it to go? I know. But you see what I'm the, I do, the I do, I do. And I. I um, I try to default to the God side. Interesting. I default the other side, and here's why. Because if that's the case, that it's just somewhat more humanistic mm-hmm. guidance of it, then whatever comes out of it, let the glory be to God. Uh-huh. Is I'm not, I'm not claiming that this is where I have to be because this is where God wants me to, me to be, and the glory that comes out of it, I am the implementer of that. No. That's fine. If this is, uh, I hate to use the word happenstance because I agree with you. I don't know how much happenstance is really happenstance. But whatever I do, I don't feel a, um, hey, look at me-ism mm. to it. So whatever benefit that does re- resonate out of it, let that be for God. So I will yield to the side of, I don't know whether this is the hand of God guiding it, whichever way, but whatever glory does come out of it. Mm-hmm. Let that be to God. And I prefer that. Let me be behind the scenes. Let me not take uh, um, any publicity for it. And that's my preference. Do you think that if you took the other side of the coin, that God was instrumental, that you'd have more difficulty with it as far as your own personal maybe pride? Yes, I think so, because it's the, the, hey, look at me, I'm doing God's work image. I don't want that. Hmm. I want the... Whatever you need me to do, I'll do. I just, it's not about me here. I don't want to be in the spotlight. Gotcha. Which is true. Yeah. You know, I I remember uh, at some point, because I was, I was doing the lecture gig, you know, reading. I was, you know, Eucharistic minister. And uh, I don't know where that came from, but that was loud. Um, it sounded like TT. It kind of did, didn't it? Yeah. Um, and so during the time of COVID, when we, we all took a pause in church going, um, I, I started really reflecting on, on John the Baptist. Well, we have a little dog with us. We do. We have Buzz. Is that the dog's so, name, Buzz? Buzz, yeah. That's probably what TT's looking That's for. That's probably right? what TT's hey, looking Buzz. for. So Buzz is down here. Hey, Buzz. Anyway, I was reflecting on, you know, John the Baptist. Yes. That I must decrease and he must increase. So it's like, you know, now's a good time for me to step back. Yeah. And besides that, it allows other people then who God can call to do these things. Because everybody, because we've all got gifts, and we all need opportunities to mm-hmm. exercise the gifts God gives us. And if there's no opening, then it's more difficult, I would think. And... um so I, I, that's, that's what I did. So I don't do those anymore. I'm, I just do RCIA as a catechist, and I do the choir, and that's where God has me, and that, it's good. And in a sense, too, it allow, you know, um, taking a step back um, allows me to enjoy participating in the Mass in a deeper way because I don't have to think about my ministry. Because when you're reading or you're doing other things, there's other things you have to think about. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Now I don't have to do that. Yeah. And I can really just dive into the 
the, the deep end of the pool, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, so it's very nice. But, um, and so I get where you're coming from. Yeah, I like the kind of the second tier behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, let me enable somebody else and let me support you to do that job. You know, when you just perfect to be a dad of six kids and five oh, yeah. of them are altar serving. I'll make sure you guys get fed, get out the door on time. I'll drive you there yeah. and I'll sit in the pew and I'll take you home and we'll pick up lunch on the way home. I like that. There you go. That seems to fit my style. You know, you think about when you read uh, many at the many of, of St. Paul's letters at the end, he talks about some of the people that work with him, but he was supported by a lot of people who were never mentioned. And they're all the behind-the-scenes people that allowed the gospel to be proclaimed to the Gentiles that m- maybe wouldn't have happened otherwise. Right. And they're never named. You don't know who they are, but there they are. That's what There's, God called them. St. Joseph, do. right? I mean, he's got some of Saint the Joseph. best quotes in the Bible Yeah, ever. but how many times did he actually speak? Zero. <laughs> well, from record that we have, right? We don't know. And, I, yeah, and it's I, like, and yet... And I find him to be a, a phenomenal model. I love that. Something simplic, simplistic about, you know what? I don't have any quotes in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I am just here to do my individual job, and that's what I'm called to do. And that's, that's I'm going to do this great. Yeah. And apparently, when he was done doing it, God took him home. Yeah. As far as we know. Yep. We have no more mention. After, what, Jesus was 12 or whatever in the temple? After that story, we don't hear about... St. Joseph anymore. It's kind of wild. Yeah, I, I look to St. Joseph as pretty darn powerful, and especially being a dad, that yeah. one, he inspires me quite a bit. Yet, we have no record of him saying anything. Yeah, kind of amazing. Yeah. So, back to the rosary. Yes. So, you started doing the rosary on your own. Um, did. Did, that, did, you, did you bring that into a family devotional situation? Eventually or? did. We had some fits and starts applying that. In the family, it's it's difficult. Young kids, it's hard to get them um, to sit still long enough for a rosary. Oh, I'm sure. And then something turned not all that long ago. I'd say a couple years ago, hmm. and now we do it each night together as a family. Uh, right around nine nine thirty, mm-hmm. we start the rosary, and the kids each in the morning decide who's going to go f- say the first mystery who's going to say the second mystery third fourth fifth and that's how we go about it usually it's between are you talking about Peter a whole rosary and, yeah we do the whole rosary all the all no not all the mysteries so oh, okay mondays are the the uh joyful tuesdays are the sorrowful because the whole is it, the, the whole, whole is really is, all four mysteries yes yeah, yeah yeah no 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 we're not that uh good I don't think it's good. It's a matter of time. Do you have time to do it? Or can you stay awake long enough to finish it? There are times we have to dismiss some kids, and we've had them fall asleep on the couch as well. There are are a lot of adults that I know that they say the rosary as they're falling asleep, and they fall asleep in the middle of it. Doesn't your gardening angel pick it up from there? What a better way to fall asleep than saying the rosary. Yeah. And, And now we're back to the guardian angel that we started this with. Yeah. Well, I, I imagine our guardian has got to finish it off for us, right? Why not? Yeah. Who else would? Who else would? Makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. Yeah. Wow. It's fun. It's fun saying the family rosary. It's really become a real, uh, beyond the spiritual aspect of a bonding mm-hmm. for us. It's, and some of the times it's really comical, too. Somebody. What from, do you mean? Oh, 
somebody's voice cracks oh. when they're saying they're part of the rosary mm-hmm. and everyone starts cracking up and then you get uh, somebody has um another biological burp if you will yep. uh, that comes mm-hmm. up and everyone starts cracking up and we we, we roll with that we you just have to continue and it's it's i hilarious. think god has a great sense of humor oh, we've got this so i got for either my birthday or Christmas, it's called the no button. I have a button and it's big and red next to my seat and it says no on it. And if you punch it, it gives an audible, no, kind of like your soundboard. Okay. You can do it, but it says no. And there's various versions of no that come out. Well, they have to say what the mystery is. So if it's Monday, mm-hmm. I look at Peter, you've chosen to go first. What is the first mystery for Mondays? Well, is that, the joyful mysteries yes okay then he'll say something like it's the transfiguration and then i hit the no button because <laughs> it's not the transfiguration isn't the first uh, first joyful mystery right and so everyone cracks up okay he's got to get another chance at least get in the right category so let's get you in the joyful yeah. zone it's one of these five which one is it <laughs> so we have fun with it that's good yeah it's the, the the last thing you want to do is make it not fun for a kid because yeah. then they won't do it later on. Yeah, we also do speed round too. We've gotten it at times do down give, to ten do you minutes. Get prizes? No, oh. it's funny if somebody's got something going on yeah. and they're feeling distraught, they need to get back to homework or get back to something else going on that they need to take care of. Sure. Well, you know what? Let's do this one quick. Oh. So we want to make sure we get it in, and we want to make sure you're here with us. So can you spare ten minutes? All right, let's. Crank this one out in 10 minutes. It doesn't have as much of the piety to it, but you know what? Hey, there's some value in at least saying it. It's got to be, and we're together doing it. Mm -hmm. It's all Mm -hmm. of us in the same room. All right, we'll just crank it out, and for your sake, we'll just do it quick. We'll do it quick. And then they run out the door. That's too much. That's a good time. It's really good. That is really good. good. That is good. So are you still with Arthur Anderson? Uh, no, so uh, so I'm changing subjects on you real you're fast. You're going to bring me back. So I, I, Arthur Anderson became a different company called Accenture. Brand changed because of the whole Enron scandal. Mm-hmm. That name Anderson got a little uh, tainted. You had to get rid of it. Yeah, so they got rid of it. it became uh, Accenture was the consulting arm for computer systems, the IT side. So I stuck with them. Then I left them because uh, I got burnt out. I was turning in, let's see, Dawn was pregnant with Eli, so it would have been our third kid. Okay. And I just turned in a time card for 90 hours. Oh, For two weeks. Oh, two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Still a lot of hours. 90-hour weeks. So was it 90-hour weeks? Yeah, it was 90-hour weeks. So it was was 180 hours for that time period. Oh, goodness. And she stopped me at the door nicely, not not uh, too abrupt and said, this is really tough. Uh, I've got a little, two little ones and a third on the way. And I looked at her and said, you know what? As I moved up in the company, I always thought I can control the hours. I could better manage the project. I can better deliver and keep things reasonable. Mm-hmm. And it was at that point I realized I got to management level and I said, it only gets worse. It does not get better. Oh, wow. I will start looking for another job. And uh, on the project I was at, ran into a buddy of mine in the gym, and he said, hey, I work for this company, you should go try it out. It was a small firm, local, in town, paid better. Uh, I think we had a total of 20 people, Mm -hmm. max. Mm -hmm. And I started working for them, bounced around a little bit, a couple other small companies. And then at one point, 
uh, I decided to go out on my own. I became an independent consultant, IT consultant. And so no that's kidding. what I've been doing since. Wow, what, so a, what a career Anderson journey. Consulting to... When you started in soil science. I did. And then you went I to did. business. Yeah. And you've landed eventually in... IT. IT. And one of these days, I'm going to find out what I really want to do. I <laughs> When you grow know. up, you'll yes, know. Yes, yes. <laughs> I remember talking to my dad about that. I think probably in high school uh, when you had to start choosing which path you want to do in life. Yeah. And he, I remember him telling me, yeah, I still don't know. Yeah, none of us ever yeah, do. He doesn't know. I don't know. I think some people do. But yeah. I don't know how they know. Because yeah. I never knew. My wife knew. She wanted to be an architect for a long time. But yeah. then you look at her life path and it was she had no problems dropping it after our first child she's kind of amazing i'm done yeah and it would took me back i was like wait a second that was easy you've been trying to do this work for so long and now you want to stop i'm okay with that but are you sure we don't want this we can set you up with a home office we can do whatever we need to do and she's like i am certain this is over how like, interesting. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll <clears throat> I'll see what we can do about getting her. Yeah, she's gonna be hesitant, so we're we're definitely gonna need multiple people bugging her about it. <laughs> but yeah, I I really enjoy her story and I really see the uh, divine hand in her path in mm-hmm. life more so than I ever saw it in mine. It's, you know what? And that may be just uh the way it is. It's easier to see it in other people than it is to see it in our own lives. Yeah, maybe because we know our fault flaws. Don't we better. though? Yeah. Don't we though? Yeah. 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 But you never know. I mean, when you're older, one of the things, just for myself, I'm like, I turned 66 in a month. And all of a sudden I started just thinking about my life. In a month? You're uh, February. This is January. Yeah. Yeah. So February, I'm 66. When's your birthday? February 23rd. When's the 14th? Get out of here. Yeah. My sister's the 18th. Oh, you're kidding. No. Oh, that's so good. My son, my son, he turns 40 at the end of the January. Whoa, that's got to... That rocked my that's world. That's got to wake you up. 40. My little boy. <laughs> Chris, how do you have a 40-year-old? That's what how I want to that know. That's what I want to know. But obviously, I don't know. I don't know. Go figure. Go figure. Yeah, you probably still feel like you're 40. Not when I wake up in the morning. Yeah, I feel like I'm almost 66. Yeah, knees. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> knees, shoulders, neck. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Pete, this has been wonderful chatting with you. And it's got, it, the time has just raced by. Let's see. How, how much time have we spent on this? Uh, how about an hour and a half? Okay. Yeah, you're going to have to do some editing. Only when, when I coughed. Cut, cut that out. Yeah, at least big chunks. Not really. Ramblings. No. Ramblings are fun. And you know what? People can always just speed through it if they want to. Yeah. Uh, put on there a little note at the bottom that says, you may want to skip this one. You can skip it. Or, you know, you, there's, a, there's a thing where you can, you can um, increase the, the, the rate of it. So mm. I want to listen to this at two times rate. Two times speed. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. makes it sound like, I don't know. Chipmunks. Chipmunks. Yeah. Which, that could be funny. Yeah. Yeah. But no, seriously, this has been really great. Is there anything that you feel like you want to share that maybe you had come prepared to share that we hadn't gotten to? You know what? The, the Medjugorje book, the um, Abandonment to the Divine Province were key points, but they also led me to other things such as uh, things that are currently active in our faith right now. Um, 
there, the Shroud of Turin. I don't know if you exhibit at the Our Lady of Guadalupe. I've not been there, but I am a big fan of the Shroud. So just Google the scientific study. I think it's called STIRP on mm-hmm. the Shroud of Turin. Scientists mm-hmm. are still baffled to this day. They so are. currently they don't understand what's going on with that. And you know about the face cloth? Yes. That's in Spain. Yes. Not only look at the, also the Eucharistic miracles that still occur to this day. One thing I would love to impart on is that uh, after those moments of those books, Mm -hmm. I got into exploring uh, what's really going on. Our faith, miracles are happening today. Mm -hmm. It's active today. God is doing stuff today. It's not a historical event that happened in the past and we're just living off the history. Right. It is active today. It is. And I would, I would even go so far as to say, um, look for it yes. in your life. Look, expect, and that's a stupid phrase. People say, you know, expect a miracle. Well, I believe that. Yeah. And that's why I default to the God side, because I want my world to be filled with the supernatural. I just do. And so I pretend. Yeah. But it works. Yeah, I don't disagree. I, 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 these moments of... Uh, divine activity that mm-hmm. are obvious there they are happening i mean i see it just in our meeting we have points of connection that we didn't know we had right which were kind of a surprise right so to me that's to you know that's not not the hand of god but at least his fingerprint yeah there's definitely activity yeah definitely activity yeah, the Eucharistic miracles, those were a big deal. Those were one. Go check out them. You can even go simply on Wikipedia mm-hmm. and go to the sublinks within there, and you will see, uh, is it Lanciano, Spain, where the the transfigured Eucharist communion wafer mm-hmm. is bleeding, and it bleeds once a year, and it still does, and scientists are baffled. They've taken tests of it. It is actually a piece of the interior heart muscle, that is in that uh, that uh, case, mm-hmm. and that is a miracle that happens. It bleeds once a year, I believe. Uh, and it, there, it, there it, are it, multiple others. There are. It's mind blowing, and I, from what I understand, it's the same blood type. Yeah, as what's on the shroud, yeah. which is on the face cloth, and it's type. Was it type AB? I don't know. Type. I forget what the type is. Yeah, I think it's AB. But anyway, yeah, it's all fascinating, and it's. Uh, it challenges the worldview that doesn't believe in anything outside of what you can see, taste, and touch, it, smell, hear. Crazy that it's not uh, publicized all over the place because these are just confounding things. They are. They but just, if you don't want to believe, well, that, that's you know what's the point? What's yeah, the old saying? It says, um, I forget how it goes. Something to the effect of, uh, if you don't believe. There's no proof that'll change your mind. Yeah. But if you do believe, then, I don't know, proof doesn't matter or something to that right. effect. I forget exactly how the right. quote goes, but uh, but if, you know, if you, if you, that's why having an open mind is so important. Right. Right. It's just like your philosophy professor, being able to look at both sides and go in there without an obvious agenda. Yeah, it was impressive. Yeah, and that's how, that's how it, it's, that's so important. It's, you know, in today's world, um, being able to critically think, being able to look at opposing views 
and in Catholicism, sometimes being able to hold on to opposing views at the same time and believe both of them. Yeah, the old both and, right? It's a both and, not yeah. an either or, right? It's so important. And then you start to see that, you know what, these two things aren't really mutually exclusive. Maybe my understanding Is of it? it was wrong, and now I have a better view, and now they're not yeah. either or, they're both and. They're both and. And our understanding will always probably be incomplete in many things. Yeah. These are the mysteries yeah. of God, right? Well, we could talk all evening, and apparently one of these days we might. Yeah, we should. We yeah. should uh, break open these bottles of uh, wine. Well, then we have time. to answer to a higher authority. Is he upstairs? In, in more ways than one, yeah, probably. Yeah, upstairs. Huh? Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in any event, yeah, so this has been a great hour and a half. Good. And um, Good. I can't wait to talk to... Uh, to your spouse. Let's do that. Let's bug Dawn. Let's and, not tell uh, her about it, and let's just secretly go around and get a bunch of folks. Uh, to what I'll her. do is I'll have you wear a wire around, and then we'll just record her on the down low. Uh, yeah, that may not land as well as we <laughs> want it to land. Oh, we would never. We would never. No, no, no. So good though. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much. And um, on that note, on the last thing with the the shroud and all the, the miracles and everything, um, what do you say we close with uh, with an Our Father? Okay. And uh, you can go back to your family, and we'll have a good evening. Sounds good. Okay. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks again. Thank you, sir. Great to get to know you a little bit better. it's good to meet you for the first time. And uh, next time I see you, there'll be a story behind it. Yes. And I'll know who you are. Good. All right. All right. Talk to you later. Let's Talk Parish is co-produced by Rex Rolanka, Titi Kila, and Chris Jensen. Our theme music is Live and Be Happy by Valentina Ribanova. You can listen to Let's Talk Parish by going to the cathedral website at cathedralsacramento.org or by searching on your favorite podcast app. Wherever you find us, please subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. A special thanks goes to the rector of the Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament, Father Michael O'Reilly. If you wish to donate to the cathedral, please visit our website at cathedralsacramento.org. There you will find a button labeled Donate. I'm Chris Jensen, and I have had the pleasure of being your host for this episode. Thank you for listening, and until we meet again, may God be with us all.